Hello and welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout this series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Today, I'm joined by Sinead Murphy, co-founder of Schnuggle. So welcome to the podcast, Sinead. Before we begin, I'm going to give a little bit of background into Sinead and her business. So Sinead and her husband Adam's inspiration for Schnuggle came from becoming parents themselves and experiencing all of those first time moments that all new parents experience with their baby. Schnuggle was born with the purpose of designing products that make life easier for parents and safer for babies. The name Schnuggle, which is registered in uh, 2009, uh, launched the first hypoallergenic and wickerless Moses basket a year later. They assembled the baskets in the garage of the house and they packed orders when the kids had gone to bed. They developed their vision for Snuggle to make life easier and safer for growing families. And they now have a growing range of innovative products across sleep, bath and change with over 50 consumer industry and business awards. And just after we recorded this podcast with Sinead, I can tell you that both Sinead and Adam have been awarded an MBE. So Sinead, um... First of all, congratulations on having such a fantastic business. And I know I've met you a couple of times over the years, but haven't had a conversation with you in a long time. So do you want to just first of all, give everybody a little bit of information about who you are? Yes. Well, I I was thinking about this earlier this morning on the drive down and I was trying to think, you know, how do I define myself? It's it's not something that you do very often really describe yourself, but I guess I'm, yes, a mother um, is, is the first thing that springs to mind. A business owner, wife, sister, daughter. Um, all of those things. All of those things. Yes, exactly. So that's always come first. And before you were a businesswoman, what career path had you chosen? Well, I did my degree in psychology because I have always been fascinated by just human behaviour, why we do what we do. I then moved into sort of not-for-profit work, so I became a specialist debt advisor. So I worked with National Debt Line in Birmingham, which was a telephone helpline, and we helped thousands of people who were in financial difficulties, but it was all free advice, and we helped them to negotiate with their creditors. Um, I then moved on to setting up the very first telephone helpline in Northern Ireland. Oh my goodness. We've never had one before. Um, National Deadline didn't deal with Northern Ireland clients. Um, so it was uh, it was just a dream come true when the funding was made available um, locally. And I was involved in, in training the staff and setting up the helpline and getting the number out there so people knew where they could get help. And it was it was such a rewarding job um, and, and really interesting. But as you can imagine, you know, the kind of stories that you heard from people struggling, which I, I'm sure is something that, that's going to be coming up again now. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems to go in cycles. And... Why aren't you doing that now? Well, I suppose when when we had our first child, we just started to have ideas about products. My husband is sort of designer, engineer by background. So 
we just thought, why don't we just, you know, have a go at, at designing and, and producing a product? It's going to solve a problem. We'll just do it part time. You know, didn't really give it a lot of thought in, in the early days. And I was still working in, in kind of debt advice and, and money advice. And he was working full time as an engineer. And it just started to get bigger and the response was really positive towards the, the first product which was a hypoallergenic Moses basket that doesn't creak and rustle and the hood stays up and it just it, you know it, it it was modern and it was new and there was nothing like it in the market. And it was becoming a mum yourself yes. that made you realise that there was a gap in the market for this type of product. Exactly and you know we were newlyweds we had put so much effort into decorating our first home and you know it was all very neutral colours and, and when you looked at the baby market at, at this stage this was sort of 2007-2008 there weren't a lot of sort of really nice looking baby products they were you know they were functional they did great jobs but they tended to be very bright colours and and you just felt a bit sad when you brought those into your lovely home that you'd spent ages decorating because suddenly everything was lime green and bright red and and we just thought surely you can make clever products but that also look really lovely in your house and, and that kind of set us on that path. Now you have been remarkably successful um, and this great idea, it happened, but you were working in different jobs and, you know, how did it, how did it grow from there, from the idea? Well, I, from the idea, we took a bit of a, a risk. We wanted to prove the idea ourselves because we weren't sure if it would work or if customers would like this product idea. So we actually took out a personal loan, which was, you know, I wouldn't do it again, but at the time we thought, well, that's us taking 100% of the risk. We didn't look outward. We didn't look for business support because we had no idea what we were doing. We we really weren't sort of business people. Um, we, were, we were used to project managing for other employers. And uh, I suppose it, taking out the loan, at least it contained the risk, but it was also very serious. And we had to make sure that we did everything possible to make it work because ultimately we were left repaying this debt. You so must have had real belief in the product though. Yes, we, and I think we had belief in ourselves. We, we had been successful in our own careers working for other people and, and we'd received a lot of you know praise and job satisfaction and we kept identifying areas within our own employers' environments, areas for improvement and things that could be done better. And we thought, imagine if we applied all of that but to our own business what could we achieve? Um, so we did. I think we, we had quiet belief in ourselves. And what about your families? What what were they thinking at the time? I think they were just initially a bit bemused by Did you it. talk to them about it? We did. We did. And my mum was actually very heavily involved. As you can imagine, we had two very young children. I was still working full time and then we were packing Moses basket orders at night in the garage. So she started helping to dress Moses baskets and pack them in boxes for us. And she did some of the childcare and we kind of shared it amongst ourselves. So it was a real family effort. And I think they were excited. And then especially when it's products started to appear in magazines and, and in shops, they, they just couldn't believe it. Do you remember your first sale? Yes, yes, it was... <laughs> Southwest London, because obviously it was Schnuggle.com. It was just on on the internet. You know, the, there was there was no products in any shops at that stage, and that was actually really useful for us because we started looking at who was visiting our website, 
what part of the country they were coming from and that gave us a really good indication of of our customer type and it it was the yummy mummies mm-hmm. in London upwardly mobile yes in Edinburgh people that were looking for something a little bit different maybe had a little bit more money to spend and so that's really early intel helped us to to understand who our customer was how do you think they found you if you're just starting out what did you do to make sure that you got in front of the yummy mummies well we didn't have a, any money for marketing. We had spent, the, the loan that we had taken out was to buy the tool to mould the Moses baskets and to buy stock. That was it. Um, so we had to just do free marketing, whatever we could. We entered awards. That was a really good way of getting in front of influential people. We actually ended up getting into John Lewis because we entered some business awards for for new products and she was one of the judges on the panel oh my so it it, it's that was the best way for us to to sort of we gave free samples to people we sent a product just to to anyone we could think of and and entered awards and that was the best way to get a bit of exposure for free but isn't it isn't it always the way that there's always one person that manages to open a door for you you just need to make that right connection it's great if you know that person yes but then you need that belief of somebody with influence you do you do and we didn't know anyone in the nursery industry uh, at all um so we really were starting from absolute scratch but we kept appearing at consumer shows we kept appearing at trade shows and eventually people kind of recognized us and realized we weren't going away it's also exciting and i just want to go back a little bit because i know when you had your first baby rose it wasn't perhaps just the easiest of experiences of becoming a parent. No, it definitely wasn't. I mean, she's a superstar now, but it was very, very stressful. It was um, a healthy pregnancy, no reason or issue to, to, to worry. And it was when she was born, we were told um, that the paediatrician, I still remember it vividly, she said, oh, you, we think your baby has Down syndrome. And I just thought, what? That, that's crazy. I'm 29. I, you know, I, I never even entered my head. And then a few days later, they actually came back and said, actually, it's mosaic Down syndrome, which is slightly different. It can be a little bit milder in terms of, of kind of how it affects the person. Um, but then after that, she ended up getting very ill very quickly. She was in intensive care for... A week, she was rushed um, by police escort from one hospital to another. It was all very dramatic. And then just when she finished a week in intensive care, uh, a haematologist came to see us and brought us into a a room with a Bible and a box of tissues. And we thought, this can't be good. What on earth is he telling us? Um, And yes, he then said that she had leukaemia. So she had to have a mini dose of of chemotherapy. She was the youngest... patient they'd ever had she was about two and a half weeks old and had a little mini dose of chemo and then she was fine and after that she just got stronger and stronger and now she's 15 years old and doing GCSEs and and being a stroppy teenager so that's incredible really Mm -hmm. and she's in mainstream school and after such a difficult start um you know you must be super proud of her we are we are and she's just she has such a positive attitude you know and it's not easy for her and I know she finds everything so tricky but she was the initial inspiration for the hypoallergenic Moses basket because she her immune system was not great she was so unwell most of the Moses baskets would have you know they kicked around in people's lofts and and they were hard to clean and so she was part of that initial idea behind the Moses basket and also 
when you realise that you have a child with a disability, you have no idea what the future holds. I mean, you don't with any child, but particularly when they have a disability, you don't know how independent they might be or might not be. So I think that also drove us more to become self-employed and and to drive forward as our own bosses because we could have the flexibility that we needed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Where did the name Snuggle come from? Well, a couple of different reasons for Snuggle. Um, My mum, I shouldn't really be admitting this, but my mum used to call me Snugglepuss. That was her little nickname for me when I was little. (laughs) So embarrassing. Um, But also we wanted something that sounded warm and cosy, kind of like a a hug, but in a a Moses basket. And and we wanted to bring in the word shh. So it was just, yeah, snuggle. Snuggle. It's a great word, isn't it? It is a great word. But maybe next time we might separate the brand name from the company name because we are just snuggle limited and so when we have serious conversations with the bank or HMRC and they say oh who's calling and you say it's snuggle snuggle. it just yeah it doesn't sound very serious this podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. You brought the product to Dragon's Den, but that was some time after you got going. Yes. It was. So what was that, 2017? Around that, yes. And you started in 2009 but launched in in 2010. Yes. What was that experience like? Um, It was really interesting because we had been fans of the show for years. So, you you know, you watch um, the the doors sliding open and the people coming up in the lift and um, it, but it was terrifying. Um, So you're brought into this little green room, you're not allowed out unsupervised so you're waiting for hours and hours and hours while the filming is happening Um, and eventually we were called in to to the room and all I could hear was our footsteps going across the wooden floor as we're walking towards the dragons and they're just staring at us right so it is exactly as you see it yeah okay it is I suppose that the the one thing that I I learned from the experience was about the media and and it's made me look differently on on any information that's presented to me is they have a story to tell there was lots and lots of footage as you can imagine we were in the den for over an hour but it was edited down to a very short sort of maybe five or six minutes so it's just useful to remember that that when you're looking at anything you know whether it's a a show or an interview that you know it there will be a certain direction that it's going to take so we we received a lot of praise from the dragons and they were really impressed with what we had done and Tukar Suleiman he wanted to invest did he He, invest he yes well we said yes on the show so we agreed a deal with him but then we actually backed out of it after the show get you yeah I know I know Um, (laughs) see you dragons yeah yeah. (laughs) I don't need you yeah but actually took us in in the nursery industry now so I think we kind of we introduced him to the 
the opportunities that are there. And I, I think he got a bit excited about the, the industry. And um, so we bump into him occasionally at, at shows. And now I know it's rude to talk money, okay? Mm-hmm. But at that stage, what figures were we talking about? What was your pitch? What did you need to grow and what stage were you at? I think we were fairly well established. We had, I think we would have been turning over maybe over a million, uh, I would say, at that stage. Um, We had lots of customers. We were already exporting into other countries. So from their perspective, it was a relatively safe bet. We just wanted to get bigger and, and better and do it as quickly as we could. Um, I don't remember actually what the the deal was. I think it was maybe a couple of hundred thousand, but it was it was actually a loan that Tuca was offering. Okay, and and that's why we sort of afterwards on reflection we thought it just wasn't it wasn't as attractive as as just getting a pure investment from one of the dragons. The profile that came from Dragons Den did did that boost sales for you? It did, and I think it ke- it's the gift that keeps on giving. We. We actually got some new distributors in other territories because I think BBC then sell the the shows on to other BBCs and other countries. So we we had people getting in touch with us sort of a year, two years later, saying that they had watched the show and and could they be our distributor. Gosh. Now talk about the export of the product because... I'm I'm jumping around here, people, and I'm sorry about that. But yeah, so we've we've started out. We've had the first sale with the Yummy Mummy in in, mm-hmm. in London. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're exporting all around the world. Yes. Um, okay. So at that stage, I think when I did my research, you were exporting maybe in twenty two countries. Yes, I would say that has grown now. Um, we've taken on quite a, a number of new partners. I, I think we're probably up in around forty countries now. Yeah. And one of our biggest markets is South Korea, which is surprising. Gosh, can you do you pinch yourself? Yeah, sometimes, but you know, I think it's human nature. You you don't you don't look at the big picture. You rarely look back. It's only when we sit and, and have a, a and chat this like this now. that you think, Oh yeah, we've done quite a lot. But you tend to just you're just focusing on the next goal and what's the next thing that we're trying to achieve. But yeah, I think sometimes when when you sit and put it all together, which we might do once or twice a year if, if we're doing an interview or something, then you realise, wow, that that's and, a lot. And you started out, you know, literally in the garage with your mum helping, yeah. bouncing babies on hips yeah. and all of that. Yeah to growing this business. And and you've taken on employees as well. But what do you think the secret of your success has been? Is it the product? Is it the way that you reach the customers? I think it's probably lots of little things just coming together beautifully. Um, You know, there's a lot of challenges, especially at the moment. But I think um, me being a mum myself and and kind of having a good idea of of what would sell well and aesthetically and in terms of what what problems young mums face and dads and and how to solve them and then with Adam and his engineering and design background and his ability to to just go straight to China and make it happen you know with our powers combined I think we were just a really good team because we're complete opposites so you've got that psychology going on you've got that people you've got that connection you know what people want and then that design background and engineering background that Adam has it's actually a match made in heaven you've got a range of products now do you want to talk us through yes so the products are in the categories of sleep time changing and bath time 
and the Sleep Time products, that was our first product. But we've since developed sort of more Moses baskets, but also a bedside crib because that, that's the new sort of sleep product that's become very popular. So you can actually have baby sleeping in the crib right next to your bed, attached to your bed, and it makes breastfeeding and, and night feeds a lot easier. Um, we also have the Schnuggle Bathtub. That's probably our most famous product and, and certainly our most successful. We've now gone on to do a toddler version of it because lots of parents were saying their babies were growing out of the snuggle bath, but they wanted another product from us. So wow. we developed so they a bigger version. And you listened. Yes, and we made it. Love it. Um, and then changing, we have just launched a new nappy bin and it is not like any of the other nappy bins in the market. So it's just a... a push button and you drop the nappy in it's very quick very easy you can do it one-handed and we're just we're we're looking at ways to make it more eco-friendly it's 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 a huge project because the big nappy companies need to get on board but I think we're heading in that direction and so we've made the nappy bin with that in mind that hopefully we can encourage more and more people to use reusable nappies biodegradable nappies but they need to be affordable so We've just we have it in our mind and we know that things are going to change and we're going to help we're going to try to help drive the change. But it it will take a little bit of time. So obviously you're very focused on the planet as well and sustainability. And that's very important to you in the way that you produce your products. It is. It's it's really difficult because typically it's more expensive to be eco friendly and that will change. I have no doubt it will change, but it's just going to take some time. So we're, we've gotten rid of a lot of our sort of single-use packaging. We're trying to use as much cardboard as we can, and we're, and we're actually doing a full business review at the moment to just look at every aspect of the business and how we can, we can make improvements and, and just be more sustainable. And we encourage our customers to share the products and, and pass them on because you know you, you only use them for a year or two and if your sister or, or your brother can use them and they give them back to you you know that they'll wear really well and and we want people to just keep passing them on and, and reusing them well that's what we did in the olden days exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. absolutely what about the manufacturing of the product because I know you can start with great intentions and and you want to produce things locally and um but you know at the end of the day you can manufacture cheaper elsewhere where do you produce and make the products we use a few different places the Moses baskets are actually made in Kent oh. in the United Kingdom but um, you're right the the majority of our products are made in China because if we want to compete in the nursery industry against the big brands and and offer a competitive price for the customer that's where we have to go we we will keep looking at other options especially with the cost of shipping and the way it has has skyrocketed everyone has realized how dangerous it is to be so reliant on products that are so far away and and the cost of shipping is completely out of our control and because the the prices have gone up so much the price to the consumer here has has shot up and and we've had to put our prices up everyone has and it's it's horrible because 
you know, times are, are going to be tough mm-hmm. and, and they're going to get tougher. Mm-hmm. So it's something that we will keep looking at because we would love to make more products locally. Um, but it, it, it's trying to balance it with it, it needs to be a sensible business decision as well. Now, um, we spoke a, a couple of years ago just before the pandemic hit yes. and we were taking part in a women in business, female entrepreneurship um, event. and It was all fa- fabulous. There was mention of COVID-19 mm-hmm. as being something that was happening elsewhere. And I remember you being on the panel at the time, uh, Sinead, and you said, uh, no, this COVID-19 is real. And because of your experiences in China and your connections in China, you'd already had your business hit badly. Yes. yes. So we were hit a, f- a few times um, because, as we all know, COVID was, was in China first. Um, and they take it very, very seriously. So they went into strict lockdown. So our factories, our manufacturing stopped. And it was at that stage that we thought, wow, that's a really, that's a big reaction to COVID. The Chinese are obviously taking it very seriously. I think it, it's going to have to be the same. It, it, you know, it's already left China. It's in other countries. We're going to have the same impact. So actually, when China were starting to open back up again, the rest of Europe was going into lockdown. Mm-hmm. So that's when our distributors were then closing their doors. So, it, yeah, it, ju- it was kind of coming in waves, depending on what part of the world you were, you were dealing with. Um, but I'm glad in a way that at least we did have such close connections with, with our colleagues out in China that they were able to explain what was happening to them and, and how strict the lockdowns were and how bad COVID was. And we were able to make some decisions relating to our own business really early. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we did. We just protected ourselves. We stopped spending money on anything that wasn't essential. We didn't spend money on marketing. We just offered support to our customers because we knew there were lots of pregnant people that were really stressed about going into hospital, possibly alone Goodness. during COVID. So we didn't want to be trying to sell and, and it just didn't feel right. So this so, was about relationships? Yes. So and we what, just... What way did you do that? We connected with um, sort of pregnancy yoga instructors and they did Zoom classes and we just tried to offer advice and support on our on our Facebook page and our Instagram. And it, it was keeping the brand out there, but it wasn't, but it was doing it just in more of a supportive way. And, and it was helpful to us as well, because we really just wanted to protect the cash that was in the business because we had no idea what was coming or, or how we might be affected. That's incredible, actually. And that probably goes back to what you were doing before with your helpline. You mm-hmm. knew that at the end of the day, every customer, it's not just a statistic. It's yeah. a person and a person who's got worries and concerns Um did Adam share that same investment you were putting into these customers at the time? Did he understand that? Yes, yes, definitely. I think it, um, he knows that. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm all about the people, and um, and yeah, I do. I probably care too much, and and I probably stress myself out because I worry about everybody. <laughs> I worry about you know the children, the staff, the team, just um, wanting everyone to to kind of be happy, but. Uh, it was just it was uncharted territory really uh, during those times and and we didn't know when it was going to stop we didn't know what else was going to happen and i think just everyone was quite scared um thankfully we're kind of coming out the other side now and we can look back but we just we just didn't know when it was going to finish and and how it was going to end and i think it just felt like the right thing to do at the time it was to just just open the lines of communication and just 
be supportive. So we're recording this today. I'm just looking at the, the date on my uh, on my phone here. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, 25th of May, 2022. Yes. Where are you now with the business? We are going well. We actually, strangely, grew a tiny bit um, during COVID. Thankfully, we were able to keep the warehouse open. Um, everybody else was sort of working remotely. Um, but we were able to carry on shipping. People were having babies. People were shopping. They had time to shop online. So we were so grateful that um, that we managed to kind of come out the other side relatively unscathed. We didn't expect to then be hit with the the cost of everything going up. Mm-hmm. That's actually probably in a way been tougher now because we think, well, we survived a pandemic mm-hmm. and now this is this is really not pleasant. Um, and having to pass that cost on to yes, the customer again, something yes. that you don't want to have to do. No. And it's just the length of time it takes to get so products. It's, time as well. it's, it's just everything is slower, more expensive. It's, it's definitely the the most challenging I think in a way during COVID we were kind of all in it together and I think there was a lot of positive sentiment and and it kind of helped us all get through it but now it's just we're just trying to mop up and and recover and and hope that things you you know get back and and we get a bit of stability. What about Brexit and whatever that is or at the minute? Um, Yes Brexit for us it just was it was a little bit awkward when we were meeting up with all of our European distributors, you know, after the initial vote um, and the announcement that had been made. And we thought it would maybe cause lots of problems. But so far, thankfully, I think because we're in a little bit of a special bubble, we've been OK. It's a little bit longer. There's a bit more paperwork to do. But generally speaking, the the, the lines of uh, product flow into Europe for us has continued as normal. You've had other big challenges to face as well. Um, not least legal battles. Yes. Do you want to talk us through some of those? Yes. So it was actually, uh, I suppose my husband, Adam, took the lead on the legal battle for a couple of reasons. He ultimately designed the product. It was it was his baby, so to speak. But also, I don't, I don't think I could have been as absorbed in the, the kind of the background work that's involved in preparing for a case. So what actually happened? Um, we were at a our big trade show in Germany and we noticed a, it was actually one of our team walked past a very large company stand and saw a bath that looked very, very, very like our bath. Mm. Um, and then we realised that they were planning to launch it and so we took them to the High Court in London. It's copyright infringement. Yes, yes. Um, and it was... As you can imagine, a lot of information gathering, looking back over to find evidence of our original sketches, you know, the emails between myself and Adam discussing the the design, proving that, you know, we had had the design ourselves. Um, And we we gathered, you know, lots and lots of really robust information. I I can't remember how many days we were in the high court, but I can I can visualize it. it it was it was stressful and and I felt bad f- more for Adam because he took the stand I I sat in the courtroom but I didn't I didn't need to to speak and it's just it, it's just unpleasant mm-hmm. and it's different it's very personal for for us because it, it you know it was our design but they were just a big company with a massive team of designers it wasn't personal to them 
Um, and ultimately, the judge said, yes, it, it kind of looked like it, it was copied, but it, it wasn't copied enough. There's enough of a subtle difference that we're, we're actually going to um, award it in their favour. Oh, no. So, yeah. So, so we costly. spent a lot of money and, yeah, we lost the case. But it sent a message to the industry, don't copy Schnuggle, you know. We will, yeah, we'll, they sound we'll cuddly, but they're not. Yeah, exactly. But it's funny, some of the the lawyers at the time, they talk about just cases in general for, for their own uh, sort of knowledge sharing. And, and they, they were on Twitter and they were joking about this particular court case because when you step back and, and look at the names, it does sound a bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It was Schnuggle versus Munchkin. So it just doesn't sound again. Going As a back journalist, to that the headlines name. were fabulous. Exactly. So, so some people had a bit of fun with. Okay, with some the people name. had a bit of fun. Yes. You didn't. Did it take no. its toll on you both? It did. It did. But, um, but we kind of just our biggest worry was that it would affect sales, and that and that 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 would be the end of of our business. But and? it didn't at all. So. And they're Onwards. still, yeah, they're still Onwards. selling, but we will just stay one step ahead of of our competitors, and you know, and and. So, what do you do in the future to safeguard against that? It's very, very difficult to. It really is, but all you can do is is register, you know, protect your designs, applying for design registration as as much as you can, just to make it difficult for someone to copy you. But it happens all the time and and we've learned that the hard way but you just need to be better and you need to be better with your brand you need to be better at reaching your customers and keep producing new products and just stay ahead of the competition let's talk about something maybe a little more pleasant let's talk about an event that you took part uh, in belfast a number of years ago uh, showcasing entrepreneurs you had a few vips attending we did and in true style we didn't know who the vips were going to be i think that that, that's sort of fairly um typical so we were told that we were going to be showcasing our business along with lots of other northern ireland companies there were some amazing businesses there it was at the science park in belfast and it was only when we woke up the morning we were due to come into the science park and on the news we saw harry and megan had flown in and we thought well i'm assuming it's going to be them I was very excited because I didn't know who, which of the royals it might be. And I thought, well, that's that's going to be interesting mm-hmm. because they were engaged, probably thinking about children. So, mm-hmm. you know, it might be an interesting chat with them. <laughs> and as they came to us, we were one of the last businesses that they came to speak to. And they were lovely, really nice, just down to earth, <clears throat> excuse me, genuine people and um, Harry was was just really complimentary. So was Megan. You know, he was describing how you try and bath a baby, and and so there's lots of photos of him kind of doing hand gestures, Happiness. looking like he's he's holding a child. And we got him to to kind of hold the bathtub. As soon as that happened, I thought it might, but the paparazzi all around, just all you heard was click 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 click. As soon as he touched the baby bath, and I thought. Oh, oh, this might be good. <laughs> and was it? It was unbelievable. Seriously? Yes. So, so what were the sales like after? Well, it, it, do you know, it was it was actually more, it was sales took a, a definitely a, an upturn, but it was the media coverage. We were taking the family away to Florida uh, two or three days later. Um, when we landed, we went into Walmart to get some snacks and it was on 
you know, all the kind of Inquirer on the front page of all these magazines oh my in Walmart. It was the, the most surreal thing. <laughs> the kids are sort of, you know, getting their snacks to go back to the pool and Adam and I are looking going, it says snuggle on the front of oh this. Oh my word. Because of course it was just that, that the story of connecting babies with Harry and Meghan. It was just, it was a fun story for, for the media and we were just in the right place at the right time. And here's the thing, do you know if they ever bought snuggle products? I don't know. I Did like, you not send them some? Uh, well, we, we tried to, but it's very difficult to send things to, to the, the palace. <laughs> they tend not to like that. Right. So um, we're just assuming that they did. Uh-huh. Well, when I have them on the podcast, I'll ask yes, them the do, same question. Do, do. They don't tend to be here just as much no, at the no, moment. No, they're busy. You've won loads of awards. You've had lots of recognition. Um, do you like winning the awards? Yes. yes. <laughs> Who Everybody doesn't? Likes Who doesn't? Yes, so tell us about yes. some things that you've won. Um, it's, it's been a mixture of, of sort of business awards so just not not industry specific but just because of of maybe um marketing that's been successful or or getting into export markets women in business awards we we well i suppose not we i won a couple of awards there um and that was that was so nice because it was just me on my own Mm -hmm. and and um and then adam and and myself we have won some awards in in the industry itself so mother and baby awards which are kind of like the the kind of the oscars of of the baby (laughs) world and they tend to give you a logo that you can then put on your packaging and and so other customers can see it and and they know that it's it's got the sort of stamp of approval probably the most significant was we got a, a queen's award for for trade and export so we got to go over to the palace and we met um charles and then uh, Lord Lieutenant of County Down presented our award to us in the office with the team there and, and we took lots of photos Wonderful. and it was just a really nice day. So that one was kind of memorable because it was just a bit more formal. Um, yeah. And what's next then for you? I mean, you've achieved so much um, going back to 2009 now, but you know, you, are you going to keep going? Do you have an exit strategy? We are going to keep going. We're, yes, probably going to get more investment in so we can grow. We have so many product ideas. It's just trying to pick the next product, the best one to to launch next. Um, You know, we want to to grow the team and and employ more more people locally. It's so nice watching people that that joined us maybe as administrators and they're now senior managers. And and there's, you know, the team, so many of them are kind of growing and developing along with us. You know, we're we're learning every day and so are they. And we have such an amazing team with us. And we certainly couldn't have, have achieved what we've achieved without them and and it I'm very grateful now especially as I have a lot personally on my plate to know that that we have these amazing senior members of the team and they're just doing it you know Adam and I had to do everything ourselves for years and it was exhausting now it's different it we've kind of moved on to being proper directors and and they so you are, can step back a yes, bit and, and look at the bigger exactly, picture and, and look at plans. succession planning. Yes, yes. And, okay. and, you know, looking at, at funding and, and sales. Sales are still really strong. It's just um, it's just more challenging. But thankfully, people are continuing to have babies and continuing to love the Schnuggle products. So I think we just want to get bigger and better. Here's a question, though. You've Other people are still having the babies. Mm-hmm. You're not at the minute. You've now got a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old and an 8-year-old. Does your love of that market wane a bit when, when you're not in that zone? 
No, I don't think so, because thankfully, lots of the team are having babies. Okay. <laughs> so I get to be the sort of clucky aunt when And just they to know in. what's the latest thing. Yeah. And so we're getting a lot of input. I, I do think that you need to be in it to really understand what what parents want right now. Yeah. And I think that's why it was so useful when, when we started exactly. the company. But now I could tell you more about teenagers and, and gaming. GCSEs and, and, and exactly. going out at night. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. So now that there there have been lots of Schnuggle babies born um, within the Schnuggle team and, and we really get a lot of, of input and feedback from the team and their partners about just the market and what they are looking for at the moment. And that's, that's really helpful. So as long as the team keep breeding... Um, then we should be okay. <laughs> what do you like to do in your spare time? Do you get any? I love. It's very simple, but I love walking. I will put podcasts on Good. and I will walk. That started during lockdown because I was homeschooling three children and also trying to um, work in Snuggle remotely. And that was very challenging. So just for my own sanity, I started going out and walking three or four miles every day. And then I just kept doing it and realized how lovely it was Mm. and it was just time by myself listening to podcasts and that kind of set me up for for the day I don't have a lot of hobbies I hope maybe someday I'll have more time and I can kind of explore things I like to do a bit of pilates when I can but ultimately when push comes to shove mum's hobbies kind of get sort of shoved down the the order of priorities you are slightly busy and I think we put that we add in oh I should be exercising I should be doing all of these things but I think it's so much more important to give yourself that headspace and walking I've heard recently that it's you know it's the best thing that you can do yeah for your mental health and your and and your physical health Sinead it's great to catch up with you again I'd love to see you again in another couple of years please where we can check in on the amazing developments and uh, yeah I wish you every success for the future but before I let you go I ask all of the guests this final question now the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering an insight into the success of businesses such as Snuggle. What advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? Okay, I think there's probably a couple of pieces of advice that I would give. The first one is, I think we're quite lucky in Northern Ireland. There is a huge amount of support available for people with business ideas. There's go for it programs, you know, the the business pages you can you can go to Invest NI, and there are helplines, there are grants, there are mentors available. Lots of different organisations running different things. So I think that's probably the first place to go is is to just talk to as many experts as you can but don't be disheartened if any of them say they don't think you have uh, you know an idea worth taking forward because we were told that not not by everybody but by some but we decided to just ignore those bits of advice and then we just cherry-picked what we felt was going to work for us so I think really speak to as many people as you can and take as much information and advice as you can it's amazing what's available out there you just have to look for it and I think the second piece is be flexible you're going to have to be willing to change and you might go down a certain path and it might not work but as long as you're willing to adapt and change and maybe just take a slightly different path you will succeed it's only if you are fixated on just I must achieve this exact thing that I imagined that's when you run the risk of maybe 
circumstances changing and you just can't achieve what you wanted to as long as you stay flexible and just keep adapting what you're doing I think you will definitely succeed fantastic advice and thank you so much for joining us on the Public Eye uh, podcast Sinead Murphy there co-founder of Schnuggle thanks again Sinead and join me next time for another fantastic episode of the Public Eye podcast This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.